What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. Hi there. Last week, I shared how I overcome some of my own challenges recently, and I received so much lovely feedback. Thank you so much for taking your time to do that. I really, really appreciate it. It feels like this idea of overcoming challenges is very timely with everything that is going on in the world right now, and this episode follows a similar theme. I am so incredibly excited to bring you my conversation with the wonderfully inspiring Churia Pitt, who survived but was badly burned in one of the Australian bushfires while competing in a Hanneke ultramarathon over 10 years ago. What Churia had to go through with 65% of her body being burnt is almost beyond belief. Trapped by the blaze, she was airlifted out of the remote desert barely alive and wasn't expected to survive. Against all odds, Churia rebuilt her life and defied every expectation of her. She has written multiple books, mentored thousands of people, smashed her own incredible goals of competing in Ironman competitions and anything else she puts her mind to. Churia was high on my list of people to meet and after meeting her last year, she has continued to inspire me daily. During my own challenging times recently, I kept thinking of Churia, which made my challenges a lot easier to get through. It's all relative, of course, what we are dealing with, but a little bit of perspective certainly helped me. Even though it's really hard to comprehend, Churia's traumatic event changed her outlook and made her happier, which she shares in her latest book, Happy and Other Ridiculous Aspirations. We recorded this episode early in the morning over a coffee, and I have been inspired ever since. In this episode, we discuss her book, her incredible resilience, as well as a lot of helpful tips working through challenging times, including reframing how you view any situation, changing your perspective from negative to positive, remembering there are always silver linings, even in the most traumatic events, changing your self-talk and remembering the importance of self-care and self-love the power of taking baby steps when working through hard times, remembering to be grateful for the ordinary things and savoring the good times, remembering we're all human and it's okay to feel how you feel. We can't be happy all the time. And so much more. 
Turia is simply remarkable. So let's get right into it. Hello, Turia, and welcome to my podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be speaking with you this morning. Oh, thank you. Do you know what? I felt like this morning was like Christmas morning for me. I've been reading your latest book and um, you were on my list of people that I wanted to meet and we met last year. So for having you as my guest this morning is just so incredibly inspiring and exciting and all for a couple of different reasons. One is because you, what you've gone through and what you have created out of the most challenging story and and what you went through is so beneficial for people to hear because obviously we, right now it is such a tough time for people. Yeah. And secondly, because you just wrote a book about happiness and it's uh, what people need right now. So I'm incredibly excited. But before we jump into your story, I'd love to ask you, because I'm all about dreaming, what were your dreams for the future when you were a child? Was there something that you dreamt about being or doing? Yeah, like when I was a kid, I was pretty unique. I used to read Archie and Veronica comics out and I'd record my voice. I'd imitate the different characters' voices and I'd record it. And then I would like go one step further and make my whole family listen to the recording that I just made in my room. So... Yeah, I was a bit quirky. I loved, I obviously always loved running. I loved surfing. I loved being outside. I've got three brothers, but my older brother, as you do with older siblings, I just idolised him. So if he wanted to go for a surf, I was going with him. If he wanted to go climb a mountain, I was going with him. If he was, you know, whatever he was doing, I wanted to be to be a part of that. And so I guess as a kid, I didn't really have any grandiose visions for myself of what I wanted to be when I grew up, it changed all the time. So one week I wanted to be a doctor and then the next week I wanted to be a journalist and then the next week I wanted to be an author like my mum. And so they did always change. But I ended up doing engineering at uni. How I decided to do engineering, it's actually really boring. Like I wrote down two lists. I wrote down a list of things that I was good at and I was good at science and maths and physics and stuff like that. And then I wrote down a list of things that I wanted from my job. So I wanted a job where I had the opportunity to travel, wanted to work in really like crazy remote locations. I wanted to get paid really well. And so looking at those two lists, I came up with the combination of doing mining engineering. That is so inspiring. I love that you actually looked at where you were good at and also what inspired you or or were you interested in. And I think the combination of that is a beautiful thing to do when people are thinking about what they want to do in their life. In my book on happiness, like I wrote a chapter about purpose. And I, I think it's a thing that a lot of people get hung up on. You know, some people, their work is their life's purpose and they feel really fulfilled by it. And they feel like they are making a difference and they're contributing something meaningful to society. And I think for those people who feel like that, that's awesome. But I also think there's a lot of different ways that we can introduce having that sense of purpose into our lives. I don't think all of us always get it from what we do for work. And I know for me, engineering, I enjoyed it. I loved it. I loved the challenge of it. But I don't know if I ever really felt like it was my life's purpose I just followed an interest that I wanted to do and that I was interested in and it grew from there but I think that's really important to note you know when we're talking about 
living our dream life and, and finding our life purpose, which are all really awesome things to go after, but to take the pressure off ourselves and just ask ourselves, well, like, what do you like to do? What are you interested in? What do you want to find out more about? What sort of books do you like reading? And build from there. Yeah, absolutely. I think finding your purpose combines all of those things that you just mentioned. And, you know, you want to get excited about, you know, driving to work and get up in the morning and do whatever you want to do. And I think, you know, there's different way of finding your purpose. Absolutely. The most important thing is that you absolutely love what you do, because as we know, we are only here on earth for a short time. So, you know, loving what you're doing, I think it's really important. And there's obviously, sometimes you just have to do stepping stones. And obviously you've done that. So we'll get back to that. But before, because the podcast audience is very global for me, I want you to just maybe tell your story because I know where we are, most people would know about you, but um, for the rest of the world, they might not. So I love you to just give your, your, your story in the way you want to explain where you started and what, where you are today. So I was a mining engineer. I was working in the beautiful remote outback of Australia. I entered an ultramarathon a quarter of the way through the race, I was trapped by a grass fire with five other runners. I received burns to 65% of my body. I got evacuated out of there by helicopter. I woke up a month later in Concord Hospital. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't wipe my ass. I set out on this quest or on this dream to do an Ironman to rebuild my body and, and to get strong and fit enough to do an Ironman. I did that. Then I got invited to do the Ironman World Championships and then I did that. And in amongst all of that, I've written five books. I've had two babies. I've walked the Kokoda Trek. I, you know, I, I get to coach and speak to millions of people all over the world. And, you know, if I look at my life now, I'm at a place where I am genuinely really grateful uh, really satisfied, really happy. And I think though the important thing to remember is that we can be happy and not necessarily be happy all of the time. And you talked, you know, a little bit about finding the silver linings and things. And I, I think for sure that's so important. But I think as well, when you're going through something hard or something tough, like I did, you know, during my time in hospital and during my recovery, I don't think it's crucial to be able to find the silver lining straight away. And I don't think it's crucial to be able to find the lesson in it straight away. You know, for anyone who's doing it tough right now, I think there's a real power in just accepting it and acknowledging it and saying, you know what, what I'm going through right now is actually shit. That's okay. Anyone else would be feeling really shit in this same situation. You know, just take the pressure off yourself. Don't expect to be able to find that lesson straight away. And for me, I'm at a place now where I'm, grateful to the fire and I'm not obviously not grateful for all, all of the pain and injury and everything that I've been through but I'm grateful because it has taught me a lot about myself it's taught me how resilient I am it's taught me how strong I am it's deepened my relationships with my husband and with my family and with my kids and it's really emphasized to me the I guess the fragility of life and like like you said we are really only here once Tomorrow is not a given and it's really up to us to live each day with, with gratitude and to be grateful for every single day that we get that we get here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I did a podcast episode uh, last week or the, the previous one before this one and um, I was talking through how I 
work through my challenges that I've been experiencing the last few months. And so many people are dealing with so many different things. And um, what got me through was really feeling it all at the time and knowing that, you know, I will get through this. But I think uh, you were so right with the silver lining because there are so many silver lining. And, you know, even though I didn't see it at the time, there has been so many. And I think that you are showing that with the people that you're talking about that gone through so many traumatic experiences. And I read about Kate Sanderson in your book and um, that she said that now she is happier after the fire. Yeah. And I find that really interesting. And I guess that's part of the reason why I wrote the book because so many people are asking me like, how how are you so happy, Taria? And I think what they meant was like, how could you go through all of that that hectic, crappy, shitty experience and be at a place now where you're just as happy, if not happier than you've ever been? And so that's part of the reason why I started to write the book and I started to, you know, I spoke to a lot of different people. I spoke to prominent researchers on happiness and I spoke to Mikey Wiking at the Happiness Research Institute in Denmark and, you know, I spoke to Mick Fanning and Scott Pape, the Barefoot Investor, and Marie Folio. I spoke to all of these different people to see what kind of insights they could give to me and their perspective on, on what constitutes a happy life. But I really enjoyed speaking to Kate Sanderson because she was one of the other runners with me in the fire. She was very badly injured as well and she approached her recovery totally different to me she might be a bit introverted she might be a bit shy she just wants to get on with her life and kind of put the fire to one side and and work in a different field and and just get her life back to normal and I think whatever traumatic experiences we have or whatever hard experiences we have we're allowed to reinvent ourselves as you've probably demonstrated as well and, you know, we're allowed to reinvent ourselves and, and pivot and adapt and evolve however we want to and however we feel works best for us as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's been, it's quite, it's been quite interesting because I obviously do, when I, when everything happened with Kiki K, I, you know, it took me a few weeks to get through it and work through it on my own time. And one of the things that I decided instead of, you know, feeling sorry for myself and, you know, you know, being angry, disappointed or whatever it is and, you know, thinking what could I have done differently, I decided to to go through it all and, you know, deal with it the way that I dealt with it. But then instead of feeling sorry for myself for too long, you know, and in a perspective, you know, I had you in mind many, many times and many other people who had it so much worse than me. You know, I have a friend who passed away in cancer a few years ago and um, I look at him every day thinking he would just love to have my challenges just to be here. And, uh, you know, there was so, you know, I thought, and I thought of you many times and I was thinking, you know, what I'm going through, it's, you know, and I had so many people reaching out and we had so many, you know, the support of Kiki K and the Kiki K love was just unbelievable. It was so reinsuring and it was so beautiful, but, you know, hard at the same time. But then at the end, I just thought, instead of waiting for me to feel great, I'm just going to start to inspire others because I know that what I'm going through, a lot of people have it much, much worse and might not, might not have the resources and the the inspiration that I get exposed to. So I decided to start sharing. But, you know, that that also came with some criticism because obviously there was there's a lot of hurt through the experiences with our shareholders and our suppliers and all the people who are in, in our team and everyone who is affected. So I got a, quite a bit of 
criticism for being too positive. So, so you know, it doesn't really matter what you do. There's different ways of looking at it. But I, I loved in your book the way that you look at it, and I love you to share that with our listeners that you see things through a negative frame and then a positive frame. Yeah, I mean, I guess when you're going through a hard time, you know, you're very insightful because, you know, it's important to accept it and acknowledge it, say this is really hard, this is really shit, that's fine. And then, you know, introducing a little bit of perspective like you did, you read books, you thought about people in your life that might not be here anymore and that, you know, kind of puts your own challenges and your own life into perspective and then you shifted your focus. So instead of being introspective, ruminating or obsessing over, you know, what had happened to this beautiful business that you'd put your life and soul into and and created, you shifted your focus and thought, well, how could I be of service? What could I do that's going to be helpful for others? And yeah, I, I understand that criticism about being too positive as well, because I probably get that criticism sometimes as well that, you know, sometimes people think that my mindset and my attitude might not be authentic or or might not be genuine. But, you know, one of the activities that I love to do and that really helps me build a happier and healthier and more positive mindset is the one that you mentioned. It's called reframing. And it's really, really simple. Um, I look at a situation through the, the negative frame and then I'll look at it through the positive frame. So for an example, you know, I have about three operations every year. I've had probably close to 200 now. I don't have to have any of the operations. No one's forcing me to, um, but I choose to have each of the operations because each time I do, I notice a really big improvement in appearance and in function. So I have around three operations every year and no one looks forward to surgery. And there's a lot of negatives about going through surgery. There's no guarantee as to what the outcome will look and will feel like. I lose a lot of time in recovery. It's painful for me. Things that make me feel good are things like running and surfing and going outside, but I can't do that when I'm recovering from an operation. So it's really easy for me to to feel really shit and down and lethargic and crap. So if I look at an operation through that frame, it's not very inspiring for me. It doesn't really seem like something that I would want to do. So then I'll look at the operation through a positive frame. There's a lot of positives. Um, I get to catch up with a medical team who who saved my life initially. It's a forced time out. I can be a bit manic and be a bit pedantic and be a bit of a, a workaholic. And so operations are good for me to take a bit of time out from my everyday life. I get to eat as much ice cream, watch as much Netflix as I want. I can boss around my husband and my mom. I get lots of visits from friends and family. So if I look at an operation through that frame, For me, I feel more empowered about going in for an operation if I'm consciously choosing to look at it through the positive frame of mind. And I guess, you know, to use your words, that's the, that's the silver linings or that's the the positives that I can take out of that situation. And I think in any situation, we all have that ability. We can all change what it is we're focusing on. We can all change what it is that we're choosing to look at. And the reason I like the reframing strategy is you can see it there in front of you and you can say to yourself okay that's that's the bad things that's the good things now which frame am I going to choose which how am I going to look at this I just love that and I think it's such a good exercise for everyone listening to to start doing because I think that could be so helpful because sometimes when we are in that 
negative frame of mind or you know going through a really tough time it's really sometimes hard to get out of it but I think doing what you do the reframing from negative to a positive frame is it's I loved it I and when I was listening to it because I I I bought your book because I'm a paper girl after all (laughs) so I bought your book uh, in paper form as soon as it came out I just could not wait to to pick it up in my at my local little bookstore here and then I got it on um, Audible as well because I like combining it because I, I walk for a couple of hours each morning and um, and during the tough times and and probably most of my walks I just always think I am so incredibly grateful first to have a country where I'm safe to walk out you know 5am in the morning and <clears throat> know that I, I have access you know I'm close to the water I'm close to nature and then to have legs and even to you know being able to uh, have shoes and you know all those kind of things that you know some people think that just that might be a little bit too positive but I, I just I often just feel so incredibly grateful that I have legs to walk on. No but that's that's awesome and like I guess you're walking the talk and you know I wrote about this in in happy and I know that you would already know this stuff but I think just starting your day from a place of gratitude is such an awesome way to start your day and I know for me personally every morning when I wake up the first thing I do is actually get a coffee and then the second thing I do is I'll sit down and I will reflect and think about what it is that I've got in my life that I'm really grateful for. So whether that's my partner, whether that's my kids, whether that's the opportunity to go on, you know, your podcast today, whether that's something exciting I've got coming up at work or whether it's, you know, the ability that I've got to look out and see the ocean or the kookaburra that's sitting on my balcony. And I think when you start your day practicing gratitude, what are you doing really? You're focusing on what what it is in your life that you've got going for you. You're focusing on the positives and that helps you to cultivate a more positive and a happier mindset. So I guess that's why I started the book with with gratitude because I really think like that's the easiest way for people to, to feel an instant change in how they feel about their lives just by spending one minute thinking about what they could be grateful for and whether, you know, the simpler the better because we can't always be jet-setting off to the south of France with Jane Beyonce, you know. So whatever it is, whether that's your cup of coffee or whether that's watching your kids play on the carpet or whether it's your legs, whether it's living in an awesome country like Australia where, like you said, we are safe. We can go outside at 5 a.m. and go for a walk. We do have nature around us. I think there's so many things in our life to be grateful for and it's really great that you are the embodiment of that. Thank you. Uh, do you know what? I, I really loved your example in the book where um, you were grateful for the sunshine but then also grateful for the rain. So just talk through that quickly because I think that was that's a good way of looking at it because because sometimes it's hard to think about the positives in the negatives but I think your example there was such a good one for and it's a simple one to remember when people need to shift I'm not quite sure I remember the exact example but I think it's like you know if you're driving your car and you're looking for a car park and you get a spot really close to the cafe so you're like yes I got a good spot like how awesome is that but then sometimes you might need to park like five blocks away and then it's like, yes, how cool is that? Like I get to do a little bit of exercise. I get to walk a little bit more. So I guess it's just about in whatever situation you're in, whether that's going through a catastrophic injury or trying to find a, 
a parking spot near your local cafe, whatever it is, whatever situation you're in, always trying to see those positives, always trying to see those silver linings. And again, that's going to help you cultivate a more positive mindset. And having a more positive mindset that makes you feel better about yourself and it makes you feel happier with your life as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, COVID is a really good example for that. So, you know, there has been obviously a lot of negative and, you know, you can discuss that forever because, you know, there's been so much suffering. And if you look at hospitals and all the things that are happening in the world, that's a negative. But I guess for the positive, the way I saw it was like, you know, there is no commute anymore. So I get to spend those extra hours that I used to spend in the car to walk because I love walking. And um, while I'm walking, I'm listening to podcasts and to audiobooks and I just always go get back so inspired. And then there was also, because I'm an introvert, so sometimes too much social things doesn't really work for me. So it's, And then you have the negative of saying no. And that was COVID really got me to, you know, now I wake up on the weekend and there's nowhere to go and nowhere to be. And I kind of love that because I just get to do what I love, which is reading and, and writing and thinking about things that I can create. So so there, there's the different way. And I think the, in the in the book with you did with the sunshine in terms of you are so grateful for the sunshine that is, you know, on your face. And then the next day it's raining and um, you then are grateful for the plants getting water. So, you know, in every situation there are, um, you know, obviously positives and negatives. For sure. And like, I guess, I don't want to give any of your listeners the impression that I am someone who is always really grateful and 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 really lovely and 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 really kind because you know like I'm 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 pretty normal like some days I do wake up cranky I wake up and I see my partner didn't put his clothes in a laundry basket and that will irritate me or uh you know I'll be buckling my kid in the car to take him to preschool and he he won't sit still and I'll get you know, momentarily I'll get I'll get irritated by him. So I, I think part of being happy and, and content is actually being kinder to ourselves and just, you know, if I feel like that, if I feel that way, I won't berate myself for being annoyed. I won't say, oh, you know, you should be grateful. Like, look at all what you've got. I just say, oh, well, like, like it's a very normal human feeling. You're not necessarily acting on it. You're just feeling temporarily annoyed and, you know, that feeling will dissipate. And I think that's the thing with these uncomfortable emotions like being angry, being irritated, being cranky, being stressed. We don't like them because they're not comfortable, of course. We'd always rather feel happy and energetic and inspired and motivated. And I think part of happiness is just accepting that all of our emotions, even if they're the negative ones, even if they're the uncomfortable ones, they're still valid. And I think when we just allow them to come in and we acknowledge them and we accept them, the faster they'll dissipate. And I think that's I think that's a really crucial component, probably counterintuitively to happiness, is that we can't be happy all of the time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you know, we we are humans after all, so uh, absolutely, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I'd like to move on to gratitude a bit more, but before I do, I just, for anyone who's listening, you have put a great list of things that is really helpful when you have someone close to you going through 
tough times or traumatic times. So we don't have to talk through that. I just want the listeners to know that in your book, you have a great list of of things to help you support others going through times. Because I think that is really difficult sometimes, not especially if we haven't gone through it before. And I think that is the, again, the positive going through tough times. You have much more empathy and compassion and kindness toward others when you actually going through tough times. So if, if anyone needs that, your list there is just brilliant. Yeah, thank you. One of your chapters and one of the first chapters is about gratitude. And I love how you describe GSA, I think, gratitude, savoring, anticipation. Can you talk through our listeners? I thought that was just brilliant. Yeah, well, I guess gratitude, savoring and anticipation, uh, that's the first chapter. And I started there because I think it's kind of like the quick wins or the even though there's no, we all know there's no quick fixes in life. We always want to be able to do something and notice an immediate effect or an immediate benefit. And so gratitude, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier. That's just being consciously grateful for what you've got in your life. There's a lot of great resources I've got on my website on how best to practice gratitude, but you can just keep it simple and just kind of think about yeah, your family if you're grateful for them or an opportunity that you get today or something tangible like the sunlight or like your cup of coffee. But savouring was one that I actually learned, which I wasn't actually doing before I wrote the book. And I think savouring is a really good one because it's about whatever experience you're you're in, a positive experience, trying to lengthen that and relish in it and savour it as much as you can. So for example, if you're eating a piece of chocolate cake, um, a way to savour that would be to sit down and eat it with someone else and you might say to them, oh, my gosh, like isn't the icing on this cake like it's so sweet but it's got a little bit of a creamy taste, it's it's delicious and you might, you know, you might try and be mindful as you're feeling it in your mouth and if you're going out for a coffee with a girlfriend, you might take a photo of that of that experience of eating a piece of chocolate cake with a girlfriend so then you can look back on it and then you can reflect that ex- on that experience. It's a little bit of mindfulness in there as well and that you're trying not to be too focused on the future, again, which is a very normal, very human trait. So if that's you, like it is me, don't beat yourself up. It's, it's very normal. And not being too focused on your past, but instead with whatever experience you're having, trying to stay in that moment and enjoy it as much as you can. So I thought that savouring aspect was um, was a really interesting one. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I often think about that when I have a moment with my kids that I'm thinking I'm just going to really just savour this moment because I know that, you know, these moment, moments will be very different as they're growing up. And I, especially when they were really little, I was thinking, you know, this amazing hug right now, it's going to be very different in 10 years' time. So I always I try to take those moments to savour things. And especially if you are in an amazing place in nature, I'm just thinking, oh, I'm just going to savour this now. And I, I think the way you um, described it in the book was just really great. I've probably gotten better at savouring with my second baby, Rahidi, because I think with my first, I didn't take him for granted, obviously, but I guess I, I didn't, when people say to it, go so fast, I didn't really understand that. And now he's like, he's almost three. So now with my second baby, I am way better, probably because I, I wrote this book as well, and I learned I learn a little bit more about savoring and, and the benefits it has to your life. But I am so much better at savoring and relishing those 
small moments of like laughter or playing on the carpet or having a hug or a cuddle. I've definitely gotten better at it with my kids. I think that's a, it's very well described because I, I think with the first child, it's so overwhelming and it's so much going on and there's so much hormones and things. While the second one, you have you you know what to um, I guess expect, so that it completely makes sense. But it's really it's really interesting because um, my first child, Axel, he is now twelve. And there were days, because he's always traveled with me since he was basically four. And there were many times where I was thinking, you know, do I really bring him on this trip? Because he was always so keen and always, even when he was so little, he would, you know, cope with a, you know, 24-hour flight and then jet lag and sit in interviews uh, with magazines and radio and all sorts of different things that I'm thinking. Often when things were coming up, I'm like, is that really worth doing for him and also for me because it's much more work having a child with you etc and now when I'm looking back I often ask myself and I have this in my book like if I was to die in three years time what decision would I make now and it was always to bring him and I always you know even though you know both of us sometimes had to suffer a bit because of jet lag and all the stuff that um, you know especially because often because I traveled so much I often made them quite efficient so there was a lot in the schedule so so not really you know a child-friendly schedule but now when I'm looking back and I'm you know I Axel will still come with me and obviously not much travel right now but he will still but I also know that when he's 20 he's probably not going to want to travel with me so really uh, making making the most of that time of course yeah yeah you know what this is really interesting another piece of research that I did for this book was that like for me my kids make me marvelously beyond comprehension happy but you know when I looked into the research about the daily activities that make people happy the least favored activity was commuting so I think for people who have a really long commute that's that's a source of tension and unhappiness for them then it was housework and then it was childcare. and I found that really bizarre that people like who had kids didn't enjoy being with them but I think when I unpacked the research a bit more there's a big difference between you know the relentless laundry, making them food that they don't eat, getting them to brush their teeth, packing the car, putting them in the car, buckling them up, dropping them off, picking them up. Like all of those tasks probably don't bring us a lot of joy. And it's those smaller moments of, you know, when you get a chance to play with them on the carpet or watching them eat raspberries for the first time or taking them down to the beach. I think those moments bring us a lot of happiness. So I think for me when people ask me like what's what's parenthood like, I always say it's contextual because some days are bloody amazing, awesome. I feel like I'm the best mum in the world. My kids are beautiful. And then the next day I might look at my watch and be like, oh, my God, it's only 7 o'clock. Like how the hell am I going to get through this day? I think that's very normal for a lot of parents out there. And I think, you know, it doesn't mean that you're a bad parent. It doesn't mean that you love your kids because some days we are great and some days are harder. And I think that's parenthood. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And that and that's why I think having that time for yourself and self-care, even if that means that you have to get up a little bit earlier before the kids gets up, is absolutely crucial because 
out of just no way I could got through, especially the young years where where you know the sleepless nights and all those kind of things that comes with parenthood. Um, there's definitely the hard side of parenthood for sure, but there's also the lovely side. But I think that's what makes you know when you look back and when you got through those young years, and my kids are older than yours, and you're right in the middle of it right now, is like after you you just think you do not remember I mean you remember that it was hard but you don't remember you remember all the good things so so but I think that's part of it like with everything in life it's like starting your own business there's so much amazing things about starting your own business but it's hard work and and um, you know it takes a long time it's you know that overnight success that takes 10 years it's um, sometimes feels very long yeah totally totally so self-kindness and self-love of obviously very important to you and this is something that's very close to my heart too can you give us some simple self-care and self-love tips um, that our listeners can embrace I love your self-talk and self-love chapter in your book so love you to just share a couple of tips that our listeners can start taking um, action on yeah I mean I think self-talk's a really good place to start and like a really easy thing that we can do for ourselves is stop saying I have to and start saying I get to. So for example, when I had my my, my beautiful son Huckabye, I was always telling myself that I had to do things. So I had to go clean his room, I had to pick him up, I had to wash his clothes, I had to make him dinner. And just by using that language it it made me feel like I was almost like I was resenting, resenting my beautiful baby boy. And so then I started saying I get to. I get to play with Huckabai, I get to pick up Huckabai and I get to be here and be around for him and watch him grow up. And I think like that's such a simple change to make. It's such a simple change in our vocabulary to, to make. But for me that that shifted my focus from being one of obligation and, and of responsibility to being of, of one of, of gratitude. And so I think that's like that's such an easy way to start. And another another self talk uh, hack, if you will, is to introduce the word yet. And I learned that from my mum when I was a kid, and I you know I might have been doing homework or whatever it is, and if I felt like I couldn't do it, my I said, oh, mama, you know I can't do it. It's too hard. I can't do it. And my mum would say, no, you, you can't do it yet. And I think. Like she's a very beautiful, insightful woman, but I just think by introducing that little three-letter word on the end of the sentence, it reminds you that your situation that you're in isn't permanent and that there is hope for you as well. And I think that that's a really important tool or an important strategy for anyone, especially if they're going through a tough time. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. And I also love how you um, took baby steps, especially going through what you went through. I mean, what you went through is just unbelievable. The way you had to redo your whole life, it's just incredibly inspiring, but also incredibly, you know, it's just heartbreaking to even imagine how how you got through that but I I do know that you use baby steps and I love you to share that because for people who are going through a challenging time right now I think that would be really beneficial yeah I mean my time in hospital I you know they were really my dark days because I didn't you know my physical abilities were gone I was socially isolated I had to wear a compression mask and suit that made me stick out like I saw a thumb, uh, Michael, my partner, became my carer. I was completely relying on him and my mum to do, like, the most basic of tasks. And so really when you're in that situation, your goalposts become 
very small. And the small steps I took were really, really, really tiny, you know. So it would be if I was having a bad day, I'd think to myself, Tari, you know what? All you have to get through is an hour. That's it. All you have to get through is an hour. Another baby step I did was I got my mum to paint my toenails, which made me feel more like me. I wore like trendier gym clothes that I wore over the top of my compression suit. I would brush my hair every day. I would go for a walk. I'd leave the house, walk to the end of the driveway and I'd come back and I wouldn't be wearing my mask. So that was a baby step for me. So I think, you know, when I'm listing out all these baby steps, well, they might seem a bit trivial, but I think that's the point. They've got to be small, small enough that you feel like you can manage them, small enough, small enough that you feel like you can achieve them. And when you take a step back or you look at, at the bigger picture, um, these small steps add up. And really that's how I've done my whole journey so far from being in that hospital bed to where I am today is just by continually and consistently taking those really small infinitesimal baby steps. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I think also there's a really good learning here for all of us that everything that you have to learn, everything you have to go through takes work, like everything. You know, you, you if you want to learn something and, you know, that yet is so relevant um, right now for so many people because, you know, we might go through a really tough time, but we know that by taking that baby step and doing the work, you will get through it. Totally. There's one thing that I want to cover before we get into the final questions. One is a lot of people right now would have been redundant or they might have lost their businesses and their life has completely changed in that way. And I know that you were redundant as well. And I loved for you to share how you went through that in terms of how you now, because I think what you're doing now, sharing your wisdom and your experience with the world is just you know, so probably so much better than than the job that you had. So talk us through that because I think that's be so valuable for people right now. Yeah, so I got I was a mining engineer, like I said, and then I got made redundant from my job as an engineer. And, you know, I felt obviously really down on myself because Michael and I were living at his parents' place. He was my full time carer. We didn't have any money and now I didn't even have a job that I could go back to when I got better. And so I really felt really, I don't know, it was almost like a a fog of depression. What I did to kind of get myself out of that is obviously at first I accepted it and I acknowledged it. And I just want to preface all of this by saying like if there's something that you're struggling with right now, go and see someone, go and see a professional because I think just like, you know, when our car's broken, we take it to a mechanic. If we want to get our eyebrows waxed, we go to a beautician. I think our heart and our head deserve no less than, you know, professional help and support. So see a psychologist, see a counsellor and there's some really awesome services out there like Lifeline and Beyond Blue. And for me in my recovery, I saw a psychologist pretty much every week for two years. I think she was really instrumental to my recovery and and helping me to become the person that I am today. So after I got made redundant, I thought, you know, I was seeing a psychologist and at the time I was writing and writing has been shown to be a really useful tool to help us process our emotions. There's been a lot of interesting research 
done it and I talk a lot about it more in the book but I was writing a lot at the time I was writing down my thoughts and feelings on paper and I ended up writing my first book I wrote it with a with a ghostwriter and then I got asked to go on 60 minutes which at the time was it was a really well regarded show on Australian television and then from there I thought okay well now I've got this really interesting story and I've got all these really great lessons I can I can share with other people and so I guess that's what led me to do what it is that I do now and I guess I don't feel like I have a a life's purpose or I don't have a, a mission as such in life I just I love writing I love sharing my story I love helping other people and I just like to be able to you know make these really cool things like books and and programs and products that other people can use in their life and if it helps them improve their life or helps them to be happier or helps them to be more confident then that makes me happy and that um, I'm you know I'm really grateful for that and I think that's such a good example of where you know people something happens you know if it's a business failure or if it's redundancy you know the outcome can be better than ever so so that is such a good example so thank you for sharing that before we go into the final questions I just wanted to ask if you if you couldn't fail right now if you could do anything in the world in terms of dreams what would that be I feel like there's not a whole heap about my life right now that I would change I would be spending time with my husband and with my beautiful kids at the moment they're my biggest focus and my my biggest priority because I'm very cognizant of the fact that my kids you know like you said they're not going to be young forever they'll go to school they'll get friends they might not want to be hanging out with their mum as much so for me it's if I couldn't fail it would be just to be relishing and spending the time with my family and what I do now for work so being able to write make really cool things for people that you know that they found to be useful and that they found to be a benefit to them love that thank you for sharing that such a great dream and you're living it already which is fantastic final questions if you could give one piece of advice to the next generation to help them live their dream life what would you say look it would be that you know as a kid all you want to do is is fit in and and be like everyone else but I would just say that whatever makes you different whatever makes you unique just to own that and step into that because that's what's going to make you really amazing and and powerful and incredible as an adult. As you know I'm such an avid reader and I love reading and I always love asking what is your favorite book and why and I know you probably have a lot. (laughs) I do have a lot but one of my favorite books would be The Map That Changed the World. It's about the first geological map that was ever created it was created in England and it's a really beautiful book I read it when I was at uni doing mining engineering and I found it really relevant to me then and you know it's it's a book I always recommend to people but you know just got to temper that by saying if if you've got an interest in geology then you'll probably enjoy it a lot more than other people (laughs) thank you can you say the title because I think you were cutting out there just say the title again The Map That Changed the World by Simon Winchester. Great. I'm going to read that. I haven't read that. Thank you. I would love to know if you have a favourite Kiki K product or a favourite stationary product. No, I probably don't have a favourite one. 
I love all of your products. I think they're beautiful. They're crafted with such intention and craftsmanship. But one of the products that I use and I love is the uh, Calico bags. They're really good when you're giving like a gift to someone. I don't, I'm not a big fan of using gift wrap. Um, so I'll put the gift in one of those bags and then they can use a bag, um, you know, for whatever stuff that they want to use it for. Yeah, well, thank you. That's lovely. Thank you very much. That was one of the most amazing way of starting my day. I have, you know, I love my mornings and I was up early and I went for a walk listening to your book again. And um, I was so excited about this interview. And I just want to say that this was the, one of the best mornings I've had for a long time. So thank you so very much. Hey, no worries. It was a pleasure. It was great to speak to you too. Hope you have an awesome day. Yes, you too. Thank you. And thank you for all that you are doing to to make the world a better place. Um, we are all very, very grateful for what you're putting out there. So thank you. And you too. Have a lovely day. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Bye. Wow. What an extraordinary woman Turia is. I just love how she can be so positive and see the silver linings despite all that she has gone through. I think we can all take something away from the challenges and the lessons Turia has shared, no matter what is happening in our lives. I hope you really are as inspired as I am. If you are, I would love you to join my Dream Life Podcast private community group on Facebook and share one thing or more that you got out of this episode. I love to hear what you get out of these episodes and perhaps what you will implement too. You can find the link in the community group in the show notes. Also, I will be hosting a free live dreaming workshop online in a couple of weeks across four different dates and times to suit different work schedules and time zones. We will work through my favorite 101 dream exercise live and I'll answer any questions you may have after. To register your place, follow the link in our show notes. I really hope you will join me. I think now is a perfect time to start thinking about new dreams as there are so many changes in the world. If you love this episode, do not forget to subscribe and don't forget to tell us what you thought by leaving us a review. And if you want to see more about what's happening in my world, you can follow me on Instagram at Christina Kiki K. Until next time, dream big.